This is the Edinburgh Reporter podcast. Each year in February, the City of Edinburgh Council sets its revenue budget for the following year. The way that this works is that the council administration, which is led by SNP and Labour councillors, will set out their motion as to how the almost £1 billion will be spent on delivering the 700 services that the council has to do. And at the same time, all the other political groups present their motions, setting out what they would do with the money. It's not really the case that everybody gets what they want, but at some points, some of the opposition motions are incorporated into the administration one, and therefore what the opposition says can be quite important. So for that reason, we invited Graham Hutchison, who is the Conservative Group Finance spokesman, to speak to us and explain what they would like to do with the money this year. Here's what he had to say. Councillor Hutchison, you are the Conservative Group spokesman on finance and Thursday, would, Thursday the 18th of February would usually be your occasion to shine in the city chambers, but sadly you're going to be reduced to a virtual meeting online with all <laughs> 62 others. Um, so the, the bottom line is that the council has around a billion pounds to spend on delivering the 700 or so services that it, it has to deliver. And the coalition administration have put out their ideas as to how that money will be allocated but you've put out your own ideas now does that mean that yours just get disregarded and thrown in the bin at the end of the day or are you hopeful that some of them at least might be adopted by the council we're always hopeful that the ideas that we put forward will be adopted by the administration because and bringing them forward, we think that these are the best suggestions on how the money should be spent for the citizens of Edinburgh. We have this year specifically included proposals around tackling homelessness and to fund a feasibility study into looking at using modular housing as a means to get high quality, energy efficient housing that can be built cheaper and quicker than conventional housing. And we've included that in our budget as a standalone item so that the administration or any of our parties can opt to include it in their motion without making any of our changes. So we are, as much as possible, trying to contribute constructively to the debate. And like I say, we are hopeful that the administration might choose to pick up on some of these ideas. Well, that would be quite good. By modular housing, do you mean... Uh... Things like I just uh, read only yesterday of Lou McCary in, um, in England who is uh, setting up pods within a, uh, a warehouse. And is that the kind of modular housing you're talking about for homeless people or is it stuff like the Social Bike Village or what, yeah, what are you so, thinking? So, uh, it's more more along the lines of the Social Bike Village, but you're talking about larger modular pods and there's some very good examples of councils in London who've already brought these forward and got these up and running as a means of accommodation. So there are, um, if you look online, there are lots of really good examples. It's high quality housing. It's a house that anybody would be pleased to live in as a starter home. Uh, 
we're looking at something probably on a higher density than the social bike village, but close to existing services and support, recognising that the people who are moving into those may be vulnerable and may need access to our support services. So making sure that these are close by and identifying brownfield sites primarily, potentially ones that the council might build on in future, um, and setting aside a portion of these so that we can get these homes up quickly and try and take immediate action to tackle homelessness. It's difficult, isn't it? Because you, we all know that there are a certain number of people on the streets and that's not really even an indicator of what homelessness is. I mean, it's to it's families, it's perhaps mothers with children who've had to move out of home because of abuse situations. It's a whole range of different kinds of people. So there can't be one size fits all um, as an answer to, uh, to, indeed, to that problem. Indeed. Indeed, but we are hoping, obviously, this type of accommodation is more suited to individuals and couples, perhaps, and we're hoping that by bringing forward something which is more efficient from a cost point of view, it'll free up more of the existing council housing stock for families and it'll also enable us to bring more houses into a mix quicker than what it would take to get approval to build conventional houses. Yeah, and uh, the council's still saying that it's going to provide 20,000 affordable homes for uh, for social rent. So if we go on to something else, what about education? What are you proposing uh, to, to do about education in general and uh, perhaps a couple of highlights in particular? So the, the, the big ask, every year when we are putting together our budget motion, we sit down and we talk to the council officers across the different departments and the various directors to find out what we'd like to see happen, to find out perhaps if there's proposals that we'd like to see brought forward that aren't included in the budget papers which are issued. And the big ask very much from education officers this year was around funding for digital learning for the provision of iPads. That's obviously been brought to the fore during mm -hmm. the coronavirus pandemic with the home learning that's been taking place. And that's highlighted a vast disparity in terms of access to digital devices and to Wi-Fi internet across the city. So the allocation that we've included is £11 million across um, five years to deliver iPads to every school pupil and to have these internet ready. So we, we've met that ask in its entirety in terms of what the officers were looking for there. Additionally, there was a proposal in last year's budget which removed qualified teaching staff from nursery schools. That was something that we opposed at the time and it's something that we've included the money for to bring back Rishiv as well. So that is really key from our perspective. Um, why, why is that so key? And why, why was it, um, why did you not get that part of your budget passed last year, do you think? Well, it, it, it was something, again, when one of the things that we'll lose in um, this year's budget process is the opportunity to hear deputations in person. We're still... Um, the chance for different groups to send in uh, a written deputation that councillors will, will be able to read beforehand, but obviously it doesn't quite have 
the same it's not impact. the same. Um, no. And one of the things that came forward from the deputations we heard last year at Finance and Resources from the teaching unions was that they were very keen to retain qualified teaching staff in nurseries. We listened to what was suggested. We retained the money to keep the teaching staff in the nurseries. Unfortunately, the administration did not, and that's a cut that they'd chosen to press ahead with. Mm, that's a, yes, and flying in the face of uh, what what people are wanting, I suppose. But uh, you can't please everybody, and you've only got so much uh, money to do it with. And uh, both you and the coalition administration um, propose keeping the uh, band D council tax at £1,338.59. In other words, freezing the council tax, although the administration were going to put it up by 4.79%. That was certainly what they had planned to do, um, but that seems to have been knocked on the head. Yes, so the administration and the budget we brought forward last year proposed 4.79%. That was approved then and that was the intention for this year. The offer was then made from the Scottish Government to provide £9.6 million, which equates to about 3% on council tax um, in return for our fees. But the difficulty that that presents to us as a council is that a council tax increase would be built in for future years, whereas this is one-off funding from the Scottish Government, and therefore it is really important that we as a council put pressure on the Scottish Government to build that funding in as a starting point to any future settlement. F fundamentally, though, this has been an extremely challenging year for the citizens of Edinburgh who've shown enormous resilience in the face of a COVID-19 pandemic, and we feel it's only right that we do what we can as a council to help them from a financial point of view and that's why the Conservative group budget that I'll put forward tomorrow doesn't just freeze council tax across all bands, it also freezes council housing rents on the HRA account, as well as a whole suite of our charges to put money back in the pockets of our citizens to help as they try to cope with the recovery. Yeah, it's difficult, isn't it? Because it's difficult to know whether the Scottish Government is actually going to pick up um, the the balance of the tab, if you like, the, the overspend perhaps that the council will definitely have and uh, definitely as a result of COVID-19. I mean, there's stuff like parking charges, which the council no longer gets because very few people are, par are parking in the city centre or anywhere and paying for it. Um, and of course, there's other things like community centres, perhaps which would be rented out, but are not because nobody's allowed um, well, you're not supposed to be out of your home. I hope you're not, Graham. No, but, and it's difficult, therefore, but it, it, then the Scottish Government also have a, a slightly difficult situation. And all of this is all placed in um, an environment where uh, uh, Rishi Sunak, the uh, Chancellor, is actually not going to announce the UK budget until the 3rd of March. Um, so everything is being done slightly backwards this year, it would seem. Yeah, and there are enormous challenges, first of all, to address your um, initial point there around the lost income as a, lot, as a result of COVID-19 Edinburgh, more so than any other council in Scotland. 
is dependent on income from council tax, from business rates, from parking charges. And that's why year on year we receive a comparatively lower settlement from the Scottish Government when it comes to our funding and why we've been harder hit than any other council in Scotland. The, mm. the impact of the coronavirus last year was roughly £85 million on the City of Edinburgh Council and just less than half of that has been met by funding from the UK and Scottish Government and we're extremely lucky with the finance team within the council has made the phenomenal effort to um, to close that gap. So we're in the position of having a balanced budget um, for last year, which would have seemed mm. impossible only a few months ago. I know they seem like magicians, uh, the, the finance officers sometimes. And, you know, no matter how much uh, we're perhaps told in finance committee papers at some stage, oh, the council has overspent by, I think it was £21 million or something at one stage this year. And then suddenly all of that money is found somehow in some, either in council reserves or in savings or whatever, but um, does it ever actually add up to cuts in services, do you think? So, so there's very much, as you say, it's almost magical sometimes the way the finance teams seem to operate in, in closing these gaps. There's a fundamental issue where, where strategic change required within various areas of the council where we see again and again in the finance and resources papers particular directives overspending their budgets and cuts um, having to be found elsewhere in year to plug that gap effectively. So there's a definite requirement for strategic change in the way the council operates. In terms of the, the question of cuts, um, normally when it comes to considering a, a budget, we are faced with a suite of potential cuts that the council might have to make in order to deliver a balanced budget. This year, we've obviously faced the pandemic and the year gap um, going through 2020 to 2021. And that's been brought down in the way we've discussed here by central government finance or by the finance team mm -hmm. managing to plug that hole. And we, we were in a position only a few weeks ago where it looked like there was going to be an £18 million gap in this year's budget that we're going to have to find, which would have meant very last minute compared to a normal process, having to find a variety of cuts across the council. What's changed here is that the UK government's offered financial flexibilities to the council to try and help them deal with COVID-19, such as deferring loan charge and reprofiling payments um, and Edinburgh Council's decided to take up some of those. That's allowed that gap, that potential gap of 18 million to be close to zero, as well as allowing the council to set aside a, a 34 million pound reserve for potential future COVID expenditure. So that that's very positive. And then the Scottish Government settlement, again, the, the initial papers had an expectation of a cut of around 0.7% in the funding settlement to the council. What came back was actually an increase of 1.9%, which has meant the tenor of this year's budget is rather different. And you'll see looking at the motions which come forward tomorrow, 
it, it's much more about how money will be spent rather than the normal suite of cuts that we all have to look through. Yeah, it's quite amazing, really. And uh, yeah, it's all numbers on on a piece of uh, paper. But some of this actually really does affect people. And there's things um, you've mentioned. For example, uh, a million pounds, which you would like to spend additionally, um, doing just doing simple things like getting rid of graffiti and litter and choke drains and sweeping roads. I'm sure people would be delighted if they uh, if that happened outside their house. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think one of the big features of the COVID nineteen and lockdown situation has been that people have been spending a lot more time outdoors now and enjoying our outdoor spaces. We want to make sure that these spaces are kept clean, they're kept tidy. We live in a beautiful city. We want to keep it beautiful. And we've also included money to help promote the outdoor economy in our budget. Again, looking for partnerships to open new public toilets, potentially, where somebody would maybe open a cafe in a park with a public toilet attached and trying to increase the provision mm. there rather than what's been the council's approach previously in terms of closing down public toilets. We want to be offering more to our citizens and public toilets is something where there's been a very strong message during the pandemic. It's certainly, uh, it's certainly something which comes into play when you're out maybe for an hour or two walking and you have to plan your route. Yes, that's definitely a consideration for many people. And is there anything else? Is there anything you're really, really pleased with that you've actually got into your budget motion that you think, yes, I'd love to get that? I know you've, uh, you've spoken about a couple of the points already, particularly things like iPads and stuff, but is there something that you think, yeah, actually, I'm quite pleased I, with I, that? I, I, I think for, from my point of view, represent an award which contains me or house and knowing that some of the problems that exist there are replicated elsewhere in the city our approach to the housing revenue account this year quite often the housing revenue accounts a forgotten part of the budget is almost nodded through amidst the discussion that takes place on the revenue and capital side and it's obviously extremely important because that's affecting our council housing tenants it's affecting some of the most vulnerable people in the city. And what we've done this year is we've looked to take a different approach to the housing revenue account. We recognise that the, account, the city needs more affordable homes, but at the same time, as a council, we have a duty of care as a landlord for existing council housing tenants, and as well as freezing events for on the housing revenue account and recognition of many of the issues that exist we've reprofiled spending within the housing revenue account to bring spending forward because people need to have suitable accommodation, wind and water tight homes. Now it's all very well bringing forward a plan which says you're going to get a new kitchen or a new bathroom in 2027. That doesn't help you if your roof's leaking water, if your, your windows mm -hmm. aren't good enough to keep the heat in. So we, we want to see that money spent bringing our existing council housing stock up to an acceptable standard. Many of the properties that we have on our books at the moment would not be acceptable if we were being let out by private landlords and they'd rightly be pulled up for that. We need to make sure that as a council we are holding ourselves to that same standard and that's something very much 
that I'd like to see the administration take on, a, on board from our budget tomorrow. That's great. Councillor Hutchison, thank you very much. I can only wish you well with getting at least some of your uh, budget plans um, approved by the council meeting, which starts at 10 a.m. on Thursday morning. Thank, thank you, you very, very much, much Graham. so much for listening to the Edinburgh Report. Listen out for more episodes coming soon and make sure you don't miss any by hitting the subscribe button now. This is one of the platforms where we can help advertise your business to our listeners. Would you like to know more about that? Then email editor at theedinburghreporter.co.uk and remember you can subscribe to have our monthly newspaper delivered to you direct. Sign up today on our website www.theedinburghreporter.co.uk